stop through and say hello. Um, I, I don't know if you guys were here last night, but we had a really good um, election coverage uh, that went about seven and a half hours yesterday. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm still a little bit tired from yesterday. It was pretty crazy. But uh, last night was really fun because we got a chance to hear from the black people that you don't see on TV. Uh, we got a chance to hear from the black people who are not allowed uh, in mainstream media. And we had an all black conversation. You know, it was all black and it was beautiful and it was ma- amazing. And and, um, you know, and this is the kind of thing I want to see. I want to see black people <clears throat> talking to black people about black people. You know, I get tired of watching media just act like black people don't exist and not paying attention and stuff like that. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Um, now, Ladarius says, I can't hear you. Uh, give me a yes or no in the chat if you can hear me. Uh, give me a yes or no if you, if I'm coming through. OK, if you can hear me. Um, John Liverpool says yes. Okay, give me some more yeses so I can know that you guys can hear me. Uh, what's going on, Tierra? How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, Tierra KJ Williams is here. Okay, hell is breaking loose. I'm sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it looks like, but I, I, I'm going to tell you. I think I, I'm going back to what I was saying up until the election. Um, if you recall, if you go back and watch the videos I did uh, going up to the election, um, I, you know, I, I always picked Biden to be the winner because it just looked like he was going to blow Trump away. And uh, I leaned on that. I was like, okay, yeah, Biden's going to be the next president. Let's prepare for that. And so election night was kind of surprising. Um, Trump actually, you know, put up a bigger fight than I thought he would. And, um, and now it almost looks like we're going back to where we were before that Biden is going to be um, the next president, which, you know, it is what it is. Right. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I just, I don't, I know, I know enough to not care. Like, honestly, it's, you know, I care about black people. And when I see, you know, a new president, I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? What's black people going to do? Right. Um, So why do I feel that way? It's because I'm trying to be a cynical jerk. Um, No, it's because I've seen things. I've, I've sat there and watched one president after another go into the white house and leave and nothing changed. You know, um, I saw the first black president go into the white house with with a beautiful black family. And eight years later, nothing changed. I mean, things didn't even change on his block. Um, I live a block and a half from Barack Obama for a long time. The whole, almost the whole Obama presidency, or a big chunk of it, anyway, not the whole thing. Sorry, a big chunk of it. Um, I lived a, a few. I lived a few, uh, like probably ten houses down from this man. And literally, I know that, and I know that neighborhood. And that neighborhood did not change. You know, there, there was still, you know, the same blocks. Kids was getting shot on before he got elected. They was getting shot on after he got elected, after he left office. You know. So I, I think a lot of this is symbolic, honestly. But um, I'm not here to be so skeptical that I make you lose your faith in your voting ritual. You know, just like um, my mama. My mama loves to go to church and she believes in her Jesus. And I don't want to have that debate with my mama about whether or not Jesus actually existed or whether or not the Bible actually stole some of its ideas from other religious books. I don't want to have that conversation with mama because mama needs her Jesus. She needs her Jesus. So. Um, anyway, uh, let me let me uh, look at some of your comments. Do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe. But if you haven't done it yet and also we're, we're starting up speaking on the black agenda. Um, one of the things that uh, I want to continue to reiterate, because I'm always be consistent, no matter who's in the White House, I'm going to be voice, whatever that means to you. Right. You might think I'm a jerk. Well, if I was a jerk before the election, I'm going to be a jerk after the election. Uh, if you uh, <clears throat> if you appreciate what I say then I'm going to keep saying the same thing, no matter who's in the White House, Republican, Democrat, or anything else. So uh, one thing that we're doing in the Black Business School is we believe wealth should be a key part of the Black agenda. We're starting a real estate wholesaling masterclass that starts tomorrow. Uh, there's a, a brilliant sister that we're partnering with. So we love to partner with smart Black men and smart Black women. Jessica Myers, who's the co-founder of the Epic Collective, who's actually renovated over $6.5 million worth of real estate, is teaching a class on real estate wholesaling. It starts tomorrow. So if you'd like to join uh, and learn about real estate wholesaling, you can go to blackmoney100.com. That's blackmoney100.com. So it's right there on the screen. If you guys want to go take a look, feel free to do that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about a Biden presidency and what that means, you know, for the black community and how we should kind of how we might want to process this. Um, you know, I'm going to just tell you, I didn't vote for Biden largely because I couldn't. I could not in good conscience support a man who was incarcerated hundreds of thousands of my brothers um, that's like uh, the way white women felt when they didn't want to vote for Trump because, you know, because he's been accused of, of assaulting women or whatever. Like like to me, 
Um, voting for Biden is almost like voting for a rapist to me because I know a lot of brothers who went to prison. Uh, prison is a terrible place. Um, I know that people have been desensitized to not care about that because they've never gone there and they don't know what it's like to go to a place where you're taken away from your family and uh, being beaten, possibly raped, having terrible things happening to you. But um, my heart goes out to those brothers uh, who and sisters as well. There are lots of black women as well who've gone to prison. We know this. Um, and I just, I just, I just, I just can't, I can't, I can't just act like that didn't happen. Well, I, I can't let you exterminate. Um, you know, um, I, I just can't let you exterminate a bunch of my people, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of our people, millions of our family members, and then act like it didn't happen. Uh, I think that's uh, an ultimate sign of disrespect. Um, and uh, it is what it is, right? Um, and I expect a lot of black people to not get that. Um, because a lot of black people have been trained to uh, not feel that your feelings matter or not feel that your families matter. Um, you know, because I, I saw Van Jones and I have respect for Van Jones, but I saw I saw Van, um, you know, I saw Van, you know, talking about um, something about Republicans or, or little babies being snatched out of their parents' hands at the border. So you're talking about illegal immigrants, people who don't even live here. You're talking about those people that don't even live here. You, you can't talk about us. How many, I mean, I knew, I, I'm going to tell you, I, kn- I knew somebody out of a friend whose daddy got um, multiple life sentences with no parole for possessing dope. And the sentence was passed in 1988. Now, this was before the, the Biden-Clinton crime bill, which the Biden-Clinton crime bill simply accelerated the war on drugs. The war on drugs had started, you know, back in Nixon, the Nixon era. That, they, after Dr. King and Malcolm X were gone, they, they went on a deliberate mission to put as, as drugs in your community as much as they could and to lock you up for the drugs that they put in your community. So they drop, so it's like they drop the roaches and then and then they locked you up for having roaches in your house. Like, like that's how insidious this behavior was. And so um in 19 in the 1980s, Chicago was part of that, and he got popped in Chicago on a RICO charge, and they sent him to prison, they sent his brother to prison, they sent his sister to prison, and they sent his mother to prison. So they sent the whole family to prison. And uh, and I knew his daughter and his daughter talked about when she was two, how terrible it was, how traumatizing it was to, to be snatched out of her father's arms when she would go see her daddy when she was two or three years old. And it still affects her to this day. She's still fighting to get her father out of prison to this day. Um, and, uh, and in fact, I'll even tell you his name. His name is Mario Lloyd. But that's just one case, you know, one case out of out of 50,000. I mean, just so many people that maybe they made a mistake when they were young. Maybe they went to prison and they shouldn't have done what they did, right? But, you know, but with Black people, you know, people like Joe Biden and Bill Clinton, they had no mercy on us. They had no mercy on us. You know, they, they would give these brothers, you know, 10, 20 life sentences for shit that white college kids do on a Friday night. Like I was at Syracuse University. I taught at Syracuse University and literally... Those kids had drugs I didn't even I had not even heard of. I didn't even know about some of the dope that they had on that campus. They were getting high on all kinds of crazy stuff. You know how you know you know how they do. You know y'all know what it is. And uh, and I just couldn't believe it. I said if they if they did a raid on this campus, and these if these were black kids and they did a raid and locked up everybody that possessed an illegal substance, they would be locking up half the damn campus. You know. So um, you know th- this is what bothers me about. The Joe Biden thing. Uh, if you want to know how I voted, I voted. Um, I voted Libertarian. I, I, you know, up until last year, I my position was I'm not going to vote, right? And um, because I, I I listen, you know, I I'm, I I try my best to not be firm in my opinions. I'm okay with considering new information. You, you're supposed to grow. I realized I said, you know, maybe instead of not voting, maybe I should vote, and I'll vote down ballot, and I won't vote for the president. And uh, and instead of not voting for the president at all because I couldn't vote for Trump, didn't want to vote for Biden. Um, I said, I'm going to vote Libertarian. So I voted Libertarian for Joe Jorgensen because I thought Joe Jorgensen was a great candidate. Now, some people would say, oh, that's a wasted vote. It's not a wasted vote. It's not a wasted vote. You're planting the seed. Uh, You're planting the seed. Just like there was a time where it was ridiculous to even imagine the possibility of having a black man in the White House, right? If you want to call, if you want to consider Obama black, right? Y'all know, um, we know it's a mixed conversation, right? We know Obama... (laughs) He isn't like us. He's not a descendant of slaves, but he's not a white guy. He's not Donald Trump. Uh, there, were, there was a time maybe 10 years before that where people thought it was impossible to do that. 
But there are people who believe that that could be done and they made it happen. So um, I believe there could be a third party candidate and I'm not going to legitimize something that is completely illegitimate and get caught up in this whole white Jesus phenomenon with Joe Biden. This whole idea that this guy is 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 different from who he is, that this guy did not do what he did. You know, you know I mean, I just I, I mean, I'm going to just tell you, I'm a little bit disappointed in the black women who um, can forgive this son of a bitch for locking up your daddies, your brothers, your husbands. Some of y'all ain't got a husband because your husband got locked up. Your husband got pinched by the feds at some point. He's in prison right now. That's why you ain't met him yet. Right. And you can forgive Joe Biden for that. But yet you had black women saying, I can't forgive black men if they did not vote for Joe Biden. So I ain't never going to forgive black men, but I can forgive this white guy who sent hundreds of thousands of black people off to the gulags to be beaten and raped and to die in prison. I mean, that that's white supremacy one on one. You know, I mean, so I'm not I'm not even one to necessarily be mad at them. I'm not mad. I'm not coming at you with negative energy to say, oh, my God, you raggedy ass blankety blanks. I'm not here to do that. I'm just here to say that it hurts my feelings. It makes me very sad. You know, I mean, so everybody just talking all that shit about black men not sticking by black women. Well, just know sometimes that's a two way street. You know, so you got some black women that are just as trifling as the men. Y'all know what it is. You got some black women out here that will ride with a white man to the end of the damn street, but but will dump a black man out the car as soon as the car uh, goes two inches down the road. You know, can't ride with a black man, but you ride with Joe Biden or you'll forgive them for sin after sin after sin, but can't forgive black men, men for nothing because maybe because you've just been mad at your daddy your whole life. So every black man you meet reminds you of your father. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And this is not a, a statement about, say, interracial marriage or anything like that. I'm not judging that. I'm really not. I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it, but I'm not judging it. Right. I have people in my family that have done that. Right. And I love them. I, I, I have no and I have white friends. I have all that stuff. Right. I know that sounds sound like a white man right now, but I do. But I do think that at the end of the day, we got to have real conversations about this. You know, um, I you know, I, and I can tell you, I, I thought about this today. I was talking to Alicia and we were talking about some of her friends. She has a, she has some black female friends who are doing great things, who are making big money, have great jobs. You know, and I listened to her ex- tell me what they do. And one of them, she's like, oh, yeah, she took the contract with the University of Chicago. Oh, and so-and-so is doing a big deal with, G- with General Electric and everything else. And, and, and I was really happy. I had no animosity toward that whatsoever. I cheer that on, right? I support and completely respect all the great things that Black women are doing. But I think that one of the things that kind of made me process things a little bit is I said, you know, a lot, I was thinking to myself, a lot of the things that you just told me that these great Black women, these smart Black women are doing, um, I know a lot of brothers who will never get those opportunities. You know, I like right after, right when I, before I talked to Alicia, I had been on the phone with Ice Cube and Ice Cube and I talked for a little bit. And one of the things that's really fascinating is that even though he's, he's a, he's a wealthy man, he's made his money and I've made some money. I'm not a broke man. Um, neither one of us feel like we fit into the system like that. If you want to know the thing that, that I think that we, we, we agree on, is that as black men, as black men who ain't trying to bend over and take it up the butt, as black men who are not walking around like little children, as black men who are trying to stand on our own two feet, there's a feeling you have where the, there, there is no place for you. There is no place for you. you. You can't go get that fucking corporate job, you know, sitting there and be somebody's damn you know, executive assistant like, 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 a, like a black woman can. It doesn't mean that, that you should be mad at black women. I'm not blaming black women for this. I'm talking about white supremacy. You know, the thing about it is that when you talk about man, men and competition and masculinity, uh, there are certain people that white men will not allow into their space. And there are certain people that they will invite into their space. If he thinks he got a chance to get in your draws, whether you male or female, then he wants that person next to him that he might be able to get get with. If you know what I'm talking about. A lot of men, if they feel like you are competition, if they feel like another man is smarter than them, if that man is just taller and bigger than them, if they think the man got a bigger penis than they do, they don't want that man around. They'll push that man out, but they'll bring the man in. Let me let me give an example. So I don't so so because some people may be new to these ideas. They may think I'm crazy. So let me just give you an example that will help you understand what I'm talking about here. Um, There was um, there was a story I saw about the Mormons and how the Mormons. Um, the old school Mormons, I'm talking about old school, not, not, not the ones now that, that, uh, that do what they do now, but the old school Mormons, they did the polygamy thing. And, uh, you'd have a compound where you had a few men 
and a lot of women, like all the men would have a lot, especially the head man would have a bunch of wives, like sometimes as many as 20, 30, 40, 50 wives. And then they would sometimes marry young girls, you know, in their teenage, you know, teenage girls. Well, which, you know, I, I don't agree with that, you know, but whatever. So here's what happens. Pay attention now. When the boy, when the children grow up, when the when the boys get about 12 or 13 or 14 years old, they make they force the boys to leave the ranch. They run the boys off. They want the boys to go away. But the girls, if the girls want to leave, they don't let the girls leave. They will not let the girls leave. They make the girls stay. In fact, if you are um, a female and you leave, they will chase you down and try to find you to bring you back to the compound. If you're a male, they don't want you there. They'll be like, "What? Well, what are you doing here?" They'll pull out a gun until you leave because they don't want the. And, and so, so why would they push the boys out, but keep the girls on the ranch? Like bring the girls back? Well, it's because they want the girls next to them because that's that's the, that's going to be you know the next Mrs. Smith, right? They they want the boys gone because the boys are competition. You know, if you were old, r- rusty, old, wrinkly ass, dusty ass old man. And you got you a nice, you know, nice, firm 18-year-old wife. You don't want some young, handsome, strapping 18-year-old, 19-year-old boy right there on the farm with big muscles glistening and stuff that's going to get her attention. So you run the boys off and you keep the girls there. And this is not something that just, just happens in that culture, though. It happens in the black church. It happens in the black church. Uh, there's a lady named Deb Cooper. Deb, Deb is a she's an angry woman. She's very angry, but she ha- she makes good points at times. And uh, one thing she wrote, she wrote an article called "Why the Black Church Keeps Women Single and Lonely." And I love this article because what she talked about is how you'll have pastors of the church who love to have the women there, you know, following around the pastor, listening to the pastor, hanging on the pastor's every word. But then they'll tell the women, you know, you can only date a man who goes to church. Uh, if he doesn't, if he's not, you know, of the blood of Jesus, then you can't be with him. Right. So it keeps all these women single because a lot of men, a lot of I'm just going to tell you, like, you know, I don't go to church. I'm not going you're not going to meet me up in the church. I'm not interested in that. That I'm not going to sit behind the pastor. That's just not that does not fit with my spirit. And uh, so so you're in the church where there's an oversupply of women and an undersupply of men. And then what will happen in so many churches is you will. Um, you'll find out that the pastor is having sex with everyone. You will get you got pastors out here making babies, mamas. You know, like 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 the rapper Future, like literally getting it in because you know they're they're men, they're they're sexual like everybody else. You know, so so basically it's it's the same thing. Here's our space. We maintain power and control in this space. Um, if you're competition, then we want you to go. Uh, but if you're a woman, we want you to stay. And so, so that's pretty much what happens. And so, uh, so why do I bring that up? Well, because one of the things that that occurs in politics and in business and everything else, and this is why it's very dangerous for you to train your son to only be able to look for a job. If you only train your son, your black son, to look for jobs, you're pretty much preparing him to be a sucker. You're preparing him to be a sucker and a wimp. And why do I say that? Not because I'm saying that if you have a job, you're a sucker. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not dissing anybody in here. Most of many of us in here may have jobs, and I don't want that to um, to be the sentiment at all. Okay. Um, but the reason I say this is because he's going to go out into this world and as, as a as a man who doesn't really have anything that's actually his, and he's going to be looking, going door to door with his hand out looking for somebody, looking particularly a white man who's his competition, looking for his competition to take care of him, to give him something that he needs in order to survive. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's not, that's, that's, that's not bad boys. That's job, your job shaming. You're, you know, well, yeah, but you, you try that. you go through like, why, why do you think black people constantly are complaining about white supremacy and the way we're getting treated when we go work for white folks? You know, why do we have so many black men who can't get a job? I'm talking about with college degrees, got master's degrees, still can't get a job. And then if you get the job, you don't keep the job. And if you do keep the job, you're not going to get the money that you deserve. And if you get more money, then you're not going to get the promotions you deserve. You'll never get promoted like a white boy. You'll never get the opportunities that a white boy or a white woman will receive in a white company because that is a white company. That's where integration is a failed and flawed strategy. And so the continuous effort 
the consistent effort in America when it comes to politics and economics is to push the black man out, particularly the alpha male, particularly the heterosexual alpha male, push him out. Just, you know, he's competition. We don't want competition. So we're just going to push him out and get rid of him. And that's why so many alpha males, so many masculine black men were the one first ones that they locked up and they put in prison. Because when they talk about toxic masculinity, they're not talking about the gay guy who's running around switching with a, wearing a, with a purse around his, on his shoulder. They're not talking about him when they talk about toxic masculinity. When they talk about toxic masculinity, they're talking about people like me, people like Ice Cube. You know, again, this is what we do. We just sitting there just, just sharing our toxic masculinity. But the thing about it, though, is that we also understand and agree that masculinity means that you don't worry about what people think about you. You know, my father was like that. My father does not care if you agree with his policy because he'd rather be feared than loved. He'd rather have power than your affection. He's not walking around saying, I can't breathe, hands up, don't shoot, Black Lives Matter. My dad, my, my father is the person who would say, why would you run around talking about I can't breathe, hands up, getting on your knees, talking about hands up, don't shoot, trying to convince white people that Black Lives Matter. Don't you know that your life matters? If you know your life matters, then why are you worried about what he thinks? Why are you begging your oppressor, your com competitor, to take care of you and to give you opportunities and to help you achieve liberation. You're never going to accomplish it that way. So I, I, I think that when, when I look at Joe Biden, I think that that's what a lot of black men feel is a lot of black men, real men, real, a lot of real men in the world, just look at him and say, fuck Joe Biden. You come at me, you busted me. We're going to bust back. You take me out. I'm, a, I'm, I'm we're going to deal with you. You know, you're not my friend. When you've killed hundreds of thousands of my people, by locking them up, getting them beaten and raped in prison and everything else, taking away from their families, then that's war, goddammit. Like, like until you declare peace, we are at war. So um, I'm not the person, just so you know, I I, I have would have no problem. Like if somebody came to me um, and, and said, hey, doc, I'm going to meet with President Biden to because I think he's going to be president. I said this weeks ago. I told you guys this weeks ago. I said, let's just prepare so you can be good either way. Um, if they said, hey, doc, you know, President Biden wants to meet and talk about the black agenda. Um, do you want to come? I would say, no, I'm not coming to that meeting. I, I don't want to. Just like I wouldn't go meet with Trump. I wouldn't go meet with Biden. But if you want advice and information or, or points that you can bring up, I'll be happy to be a quiet, secret advisor and share information so that when you go into that meeting, you can actually have that conversation. I'm not that guy. Um, so, you know, when I think about this, this Biden presidency, um, Here's the deal. Uh, so first thing is this. Um, I, 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 I don't identify with, you know, the whole boss we won, Masso we won mindset. Right. Like, I mean, I know I know every, I know there are people that are happy and I'm happy for you, but you ain't one shit. You, you ain't want a goddamn thing. I mean, let's just keep it 100. I mean, it's like it's like it's no different from like when like I'm a fan of the Louisville Cardinals. I'm from Louisville, like like Brianna Taylor's from Louisville. I'm from Louisville. Um when the Louisville Cardinals won their championship in 2013, I called my grandmother right before she died because she was a big Louisville Cardinals fan. And uh, it was right after she found out she had terminal cancer. So to tell you how big of a Louisville Cardinals fan we are in our family, we were happy that the Cardinals won the championship before her cancer kicked in. You know, like literally that's how ridiculous we were. Cause it's like, she's dying of cancer. Like you got to find something to be happy about. So we were like, well, at least they won it before, before the you know cancer kicked in. So I called my grandma and I'm like, we won, we won. We waited 27 years and we won, right? So we were really excited. And 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 that's what happens, right? When you cheer for your favorite team and you feel like you won. But really at the end of the day, we didn't win shit. We didn't win shit, right? The Louisville basketball team, they, they don't give a damn about me. They don't care about my grandma. You know, they, they that was all an illusion. That was, they're not gonna write us a check. The, the university probably got a check for what, 10 million or whatever for winning the championship. But we didn't get no, none of that money, you know, but, you know, so, but the illusions are powerful. Illusions are, you know, almost seem real. And so a lot of us are, are living on an illusion. We, we're on cloud nine, you know, maybe uh, because maybe because your kid won. I wasn't going to be happy or sad either way. I really didn't care because I'm always winning. Um, I'm an investor. Investors always win in America. I've told you guys this. America is a capitalist democracy. The word capitalism comes before democracy in the description of America. Capitalism is the big brother. Democracy is the little brother. The big brother capitalism beats the hell out of the little brother every single day of the week. The big brother controls the house. So um, because I have wired my economic situation into the capitalist infrastructure of America, 
My family's going to be good no matter who's in the White House. My family made money under um, Bush. Uh, we made money under Clinton. We make money under Obama. We made money under Trump. And we're going to make money under Biden because America is capitalist before it is democratic. That's why it costs $14 billion to run all these political campaigns. It costs each candidate had to come up with over $3 billion just to have a chance to run for president. So if you ain't got no money, then you don't exist in this country, in this political system. People say, if you don't vote, you don't count. No, if you ain't got money, you don't count. But the people that got money going to be counting your votes because they're using their money to persuade you to take your political power so they can use it to pursue their own agenda. I told you guys how the process works. Big corporations, why would they dump billions of dollars into an, an election? Right? They're not doing it because they care about Roe versus Wade. They're not doing it because they care about babies being snatched from their mothers at the border. Those are all dog whistle terms. That's all a distraction. They're not doing it because they want to see the Antifa rise again. They're doing it because they have companies that are going to benefit when the politicians get elected and they change the laws. They make investments. That's how investing works. Investors, by definition, people that have big money, by definition, the reason they have big money is because they don't waste their money on bullshit. They don't put their money into stupid things. They put their money into things that that come back to them. Their money is not a Frisbee. It's a boomerang. They throw it out there, and then it comes back bigger than it was before. So when they put money behind a candidate, they are making an investment. And if they do not get a good return on their investment, that candidate is gone. So so at the end of the day, I'm t- you know if you want to talk about a black agenda, the black agenda it should start the alpha and the omega of the black agenda is pretty much economic strength. Like really, like if you achieve that, if you have economic strength, if you take the 1.4 trillion and keep flipping that or do smart things with that, with those resources to, to bunker yourself in and protect yourself, you're going to win 70 or 80% of the battles that you run into in this country. I don't know a single black person who is financially secure, who is um, in danger of being murdered by the Proud Boys or who gets up every day feeling like white people are controlling his life. I don't I don't know those people. I, I don't know those people. It, when I think about my life, what do I do? Let's see. I get up in the morning. Um, I don't have to go to work because I don't I don't work for anybody. Um, I come down to my office. Uh, I give my woman a kiss. I um, I work for a while and I hang out with black people, meaning I hang out with you. I have a couple meetings in all those meetings, I'm always the boss. Um, and then I take a break. I take my afternoon nap and watch some Netflix. I talk to the kids and hang out with the kids. Then I do a little more work. And then I hang out with the kids. And then I go hang out with Alicia and we watch Star Trek. And then we go to bed. That's my life. So I need you to, when as I describe this, because your whole life can be condensed to one day. If you ever want to understand your life, break down your day. That is your life. What you did today is probably your life. That's your life. Your life isn't some other thing that's over here or some imaginary thing, you know, that that might happen. Like, you know, you're imagining your life as being like you're fighting with the KKK and running from Klansmen every day. That's not your life. That's 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 maybe that's what you saw on TV. That's what they told you your life is going to be like. That's not your life. Your life is your day to day. Who do you spend time with every day? What do you do? So the life that I have, it wasn't like this life was handed to me. Um, it wasn't like I went and kissed the right white man's ass and he had, gave me this life. I got this life by being a fucking rebel. I got this life by saying I'm getting off the grid. I'm going to stop believing in you and start believing in me. I'm going to stop believing in white supremacy and start believing in black excellence. So I gave up a lot of stuff. I I, I had opportunities to get the nice jobs. The first job I ever got, I was making $115,000 a year teaching at Syracuse University. That's not bad for a first job. It's easy to think that I was a successful Negro at that time. Like I, I mean, I was the prototypical successful Negro, but I wasn't free. And, 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 and every day I got up and I had to spend most of my day around people that I didn't like and who did not like me. So I realized, I said, you know what? Let me break down my life. Let me do some meditation on this. So I can figure out what the problem is so I can solve it because I'm a problem. I'm into problem solving. I'm not into just complaining about things. I want to understand what's going on so I can make things better. I said, I get it. The reason that I don't the reason I'm not happy is because I have to spend time around all these ridiculously annoying people every day who don't like black people. 
So how do I get it? Why do I do that? Well, I do that because these people pay my bills. So the solution is I got to figure out how to pay my bills. There you go. That's the thing. That's the key. So you know what I did? I then went and I spent all my time. I said thousands of people out here are able to run businesses so I can learn how to do that. I learned all this white history. I learned all this crap that they've been teaching me in these crappy school systems. I can learn how to start a business. So I started reading on how to start a business, listening to podcasts, talking to entrepreneurs, my, because my number one goal was not to get rich. My goal was to get free. Freedom does not mean that you're rich. Freedom just means that you're free. You can do what you want. You're, you're free from those constraints. So what I'm telling you is that at the end of the day, when you talk about a Biden presidency or a Trump presidency, and I need to stop saying at the end of the day, I say that all the time. I watched a video and I, I said it at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what's wrong with me? I, was like, I need to stop, stop being so repetitive. But, you know, when you talk about a Biden presidency, a Trump presidency or anything else, um, what really you need to do is you need to elect yourself as the president of your own life. Um, that means that you need to start giving yourself the credit and the responsibility that comes with you managing your life and achieving your freedom on the terms that you find to be most beneficial to you, right? Um, that means also when you talk about a black agenda, sure, there's a lot of conversation about what politicians need to do to pursue a black agenda. And I think that that should occur. I think that we should put the pressure on them forever. Uh, I, in fact, I believe holding your, holding your friendship hostage, like you're not my friend. If you're not paying reparations, you're not my friend. You know, if you're not uh, writing that check, real money, real tangibles, then you're not my friend. So stop, stop pretending like you're my friend. No, I'm not going to participate in your Dr. King dinner or whatever. It, you're not my friend. No, you, I don't care if you painted black, black lives matter on the street. You just fucked up the street. So, so you're still not my friend because I don't want you to pay black lives matter on the street. I want you to cut the check. You hashtag cut the check. Okay. Um, so, so I, so there is a black agenda they should be pursuing and perhaps they will one day. I hope that they do. I don't think that they are ever going to do that um, because you're too weak. You just are. You're, you're too weak. Um, you, you don't negotiate properly. Uh, they got your vote for nothing. Why would they why would they give you anything in exchange for something they got for free? Seriously, I, why would anybody you know, when they say, why would you buy the cow when you get the milk for free? I mean, you're giving up free milk. That's what you're doing. So then they're not going to marry you if you're giving them, you know, the spouse treatment without being married. Like, why would they do that? Right. You don't have three kids with this man, you know, <laughs> right. And you, you're giving them set good sex every day. You're cooking dinner for them every day. Marriage is not an upgrade at this point. Marriage is a downgrade because now he's getting the exact same thing he had before, but now there's constraints and accountability that comes with that. He's not going to sign on to that because that's not logical. Why would you take on more constraints? One thing we learned in financial theory about options. You guys asked me about op stock options, things like that. First thing you learn about options is that options always have a non-negative value, meaning that whenever you give up an option, you're supposed to be compensated for giving up the option. You know, so nobody gives up options. No logical person gives up options for free. So if you're giving, if you think about it relationship-wise, right, you're giving him the sex, you're giving him the food, you're giving him the attention, you're giving him all the, the things that come with, with being a spouse, maybe maybe even pay, helping him pay the bills, and you get you had three kids for him, and then you're like, will you marry me? Well, no, he's not going to marry you, unfortunately, because you, you've paid too much in advance because you're asking him to uh, basically give up an option, the freedom to go and just bounce up and leave, go get with another woman, whatever he wants to do. He's given up that option and you're not, he's not, there's nothing, you have nothing left to give. You've given him everything for nothing. So there's nothing left to give. So uh, if you look at the way companies give things away, companies will give you free samples so that you can know how good the product is, right? But they're not going to give you everything for free. When you say, oh, that's really good. I want some more of that. They're, they're going to say, oh, sure, absolutely. Just sign right here and just, you know, we'll, we'll take MasterCard, Visa, American Express or Discovery. Right. They, they, they expect at that point for you to pay a price for what you're going to receive. So always think about that when you're negotiating or if you're not getting what you want out of your situation. Just ask yourself, did I negotiate properly? properly? Uh, now, somebody now this is a good question, though. Uh, just my four cents asked a great question. He said, Wait, a PhD in finance and you had to learn how to pay your own bills? I'm confused. I think that's a great question. Um, here's one little known thing about business school professors. Most business school professors have never run a business. Uh, and, 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 mo and in fact, many business school professors have never even worked for a business. Why is that true? Well, it's true because getting a PhD is hard. 
the whole time you're, I mean, I got, you know, my PhD took years and years for me to finish. So I spent seven, eight hours a day studying advanced, complex mathematical theory just to understand finance at a high level. Like it's, it's incredibly mathematical. Like I was in classes with math PhD students. So when you're doing all that work and it's that hard, you don't have time to go work at IBM. You know, like you don't have time to go run a business on the side. PhD programs are really tough, like real ones, really tough ones. I'm talking about the really the, t- the elite programs, not not these BS online. You know, no disrespect, we did all that, but it's it's not the same. It's just not. Um, you know, it, it really t- it was a full time thing. Like I couldn't go and like do stuff on the side because they literally would give you more work than you could ever finish. So that's why I I didn't know how to. So yeah, you're right. I had to really humble myself. And I realized I had spent a lot of time learning the wrong skills. Um, And I realized that as a black man, the best skill I could learn was economic independence, right? So anyway, uh, do me a favor. Uh, If you want to, first of all, hit the thumbs up button, hit the thumbs up, share and subscribe button. If you haven't done that yet, please do that now. Also, if you want to get text alerts when I go live, uh, text the word voice to 31996, text voice to 31996. And some of you are asking about this t-shirt. Um, Alicia and I wear these shirts sometimes. Um, it, it's uh, because we're black pretty much means that because we're black, we have to think differently because we're black. We have to go harder because we're black. We have to be excellent because we're black. We have to be focused because we're black. We have to raise our children in a certain way. So that's, that's what that's about. You know, so anybody asks like, why are you strange? Well, because I'm black. Why do you do things different? Because you're black. Right. So basically that's what this is about. So if you want to actually take a look at shirts like that we have, you can go to wokeblacktees.com. That's wokeblacktees.com. So feel free to go check it out. Um, so let, let's, so as far as the Biden presidency, um, I think I think that the community should always work with any any administration that's in office. Um, I think that because the uh, Democrats got so many black votes, um, there's a debt that's old now. Uh, you know, now we we should you know those of you who get involved in the political stuff should step up and say uh, yes three one nine nine six yeah yeah absolutely sister. So text word voice to thirty one ninety nine six. Um, I think that um, that there should be accountability, right? The black elite is going to get rewarded if Biden becomes president, which I think that's going to happen. You know, so you're going to probably see, you know, Angela Rye getting exclusive interviews in the White House. You're going to see maybe Roland Martin get another job on CNN or something, Um, you know, because Obama actually um, led to Roland Martin's rise initially as a journalist Uh, before the Obama presidency. Roland was on um, WBON, which is a great station down in Chicago. It's a black station, really great people there. And when Obama started to rise, I think that Roland's connection to the Obamas led to CNN grabbing onto Roland because they wanted to have access to the Obamas. That's that's the impression I had. And so um, a lot of people hitch their wagon onto, you know, these political candidates. Right. So so the implicit understanding is help us get elected. And then you can go and do, you know, an exclusive interview on Air Force One. Now, um, somebody asked, how much did the Republicans pay you for your work? Um, I wish they did pay me. I wish I wish somebody did compensate me. Uh, but actually, I don't get compensated by anybody. Um, I voted libertarian. So if a Republican was to pay me to do work, I would not be earning my money because I'm not a Republican. I did not vote Republican. But unfortunately, uh, because of the, the silliness of our politics, uh, and because people think that they own black people, if you're not a Democrat, they think you're automatically a Republican, which 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 really kind of just shows me you flawed thinking. It shows you're not very smart when you think that way. Um, you know, but I, I will say that uh, also um, if, if Biden wants to impress me as president, uh, I would actually change the tone of my whole rhetoric if he went back and went and did something that I thought could realistically release maybe 50 to 100,000 people from prison that were incarcerated under the crime bill. Like, you know, I I think that acknowledging that it was it was wrong. That's one step. Good. I'm glad you acknowledged that you fucked up Two, apologizing is a is a a better step. Right. Okay, so now you're sorry. Now you wouldn't do it again if you could. Okay, good. Cool. All right. But that's not enough. Right. The most important step is to actually fix it. Like, like, you know, these people are still alive. They didn't die. You know, we we think prison inmates are dead. Like we, we, you know, that's that's what I mean. Imagine if you were somewhere. And you and people and your loved ones treated you like you were in a grave somewhere. Like that's a terrible feeling. These people are forgotten. Um, and that's why I ask you guys, like sometimes I'll say, like I, I get emotional about it. Like I'll say, you know, say if you know somebody in prison, like type their name in the chat. 
Like, let's bring them to life. Like, say their name. Like, do it right now if you want to. Like, or somebody who's gone to prison. Like, say their name because these are our forgotten people. And I really feel like, um, you know, this is an opportunity. A Biden presidency is a tremendous opportunity to um, make sure those chickens come home to roost. Hold them accountable for that. Uh, and really, if truth be told, they owe us reparations for the war on drugs. That whole war on drugs was ridiculous. It was um, it was incredibly predatory on the black community. It was genocidal uh, when it came to black families, black children, black communities. Uh, we paid the price for drugs on, on a lot of fronts. We had the drug addicts. We had to deal with that. We had the people that got locked up for dealing drugs. We had the homicides. And then we had the trauma from those who survived all of that. Right. So. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that, you know, maybe the Biden presidency is a chance to kind of bring that to the table. Um, Biden doesn't really owe me anything individually because I didn't vote for the man. But I, if you voted for him, then he owes you something. And if you care about the black community, then you'll cash in your chips and expect him to do something for your people. Uh, so uh, the other thing about uh, so, so one point, if you want, if you're curious about the economic implications in terms of um, stock market investing and all that stuff. Um, the, the stock market is going to be fine under Biden. Uh, you're probably going to see a dip. I imagine And once he's confirmed as president, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a dip because the Democrats are going to bring higher taxes, but a Republican Senate is going to slow that down. If it, if there were a democratic party Senate, then you would see a major dip, at least initially, but that doesn't mean it's not going to work out for you. Remember a dip is an opportunity for you to actually buy things cheaper historically anyway. So a dip, means that you know you just have to wait a little while to get your money but you're going to get your money because democrats like to spend so um i think there's going to be a big stimulus package that's going to be great across the board um it's going to be a boost for the stock market i think there's also going to be a lot of infrastructure spending they want to do a lot of green spending and i mean who can complain about you know fixing the environment that's actually environmentalism is something i don't have a problem with as long as it's not too extreme um you know, I, I I agree that we you know that we need to take care of the environment, so that's not an issue. Here's another fun, interesting thing. This is another little sn- sneaky thing that that I think is going to happen that I believe is going to be a boost to the market. Right now, at this point, I mean, once Biden wins the election and he is, you know, it's done. It's you know, it's it's going in that direction. I bet you anything that you're going to see the COVID headlines slowly disappear from. Uh, from the news cycle. I, I really believe that. Maybe I'm being cynical and skeptical when I say this, but I believe that the headlines are going to disappear. COVID won't disappear, right? The numbers will still be there. But remember, there's a lot of things that are killed. Seven, I don't know if you guys know this, but seven, over 7,000 people a day, I believe, die in the United States every day just because. Just because it's a Tuesday. We have over 7,000 people a day die. So when they say 1,000 people died today from COVID, you know, that, doesn't, that, that number, it doesn't mean everything you think that it means. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, and I, and I want to say this without hurting anybody's feelings. I know some people get really emotional and they get mad at me because I'm a little too logical sometimes, but I think logic is how you win battles. And so I'm going to show you guys, um, I'm not, I haven't even looked at CNN. I'd be really curious. I'm going to share my screen here. Uh, if you want to actually see what's on my screen, uh, go to, um, Go to go to my Twitter. My Twitter is Dr. Boyce Watkins one Dr. Boyce Watkins in the number one. And you can actually see what's on my screen here. But uh, let me share with you guys um, CNN's front page. So CNN. Here we go. Okay, I think I'm back now. Look at that. Okay, can you see me and hear me now? Give me a yes or no in the chat if you can see me and hear me. I just literally disappeared. I my my connection went out. Can you hear me okay? Let me know. Give me a yes or no. Okay, all right, good. Okay, so I can see some yeses. All right, great. All right, so let me share my screen and I'm gonna look here and I wanna CNN, you know.
You know what? It's not letting me share. So instead of um, actually sharing the screen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and look at CNN. I'm going to look to see what the headlines are and see how long it takes us to get to a COVID headline. So obviously, you know, the uh, the Biden headline is there, right? Biden nearing 270 as key states count votes. Um, I think Biden's going to go. I think he's going to be the next president. That's fine. Um, they mentioned Trump campaign files a lawsuit to stop the vote counting in Georgia. Um, keep going down. Um, Sarah McBride to become the, the nation's first ever transgender state senator. Um, so that's also part of the agenda. Um, let's see. I'm scrolling down. I'm looking for a COVID story. Um, let's see here. At, at least a big headline. Um, let's see. I see something about Drake's mansion with two, a two-story closet and a bathtub carved with marble. All right. CNN business. No matter who wins the election, America will still be in a jobs crisis. Uh, let's see here. I'm scrolling, scrolling. Okay. I'm, I'm far down the page. I have not yet seen a COVID story. Three states to vote to legalize, uh, three, three, three states vote to legalize recreational marijuana. Um, it has never been this close. There's something about an attacker in Vienna. Here we go. Okay. The U S reported its second highest number of new COVID-19 cases on election day. So that's, so I had to scroll way down the page to see a COVID story. Now, what I'm really curious about my test is, you know, in two weeks, you know, once we're sure that Biden's going to be the president, how long will how often will COVID stories appear um, in the media? I don't think that they're going to be as prevalent because I think that they want Biden's first 100 days to be strong. So what's going to occur is um, it's going to, you know, it's going to drift out. It's going to be gone by Christmas because they want to have a strong Black Friday they want to encourage you to go out to spend um, just like they wanted you to go out to vote. I think the CDC announced or something where they said, even if you had COVID, you could still go vote, which didn't make a lot of sense to me, but whatever. Um, so I think that they're going to start encouraging people to go out and rebuilding confidence. Now, why is that good for you? Well, if you are an investor, you're going to benefit because when the Christmas holiday numbers come in and they're bigger than what people expect, then you're going to make money because your stock prices are going to go up. Um, I think that once they secure the bag for Biden, they've already got the White House. I think now it's like, okay, let's try to clean up all this chaos, sweep it all behind us, bring the country together and create the illusion of prosperity once again and the illusion of safety again. Um, I call it the illusion of safety because I don't really think you were ever in as much danger as you think. It's not to say that that there weren't threats out there. There are always threats. Like, so for example, if you go to Atlanta, and you sleep with somebody, be careful because there's a lot of people walking around Atlanta with HIV. A ton of people, like just like a lot. It's like a lot of guys, right? A lot of people got that stuff, right? But there, but because it's not in the headline every day, uh, you're not paying attention to it because they can't put everything in your consciousness at once. They can only put a couple of things there. Okay. So that's, um, I, I'm sure somebody doesn't like the way I describe that, but I have to just be honest. That's just what I am. I'm the honest asshole. So just call me that if you want to. That's fine. Um, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, also, uh, if you haven't learned to buy your first share of stock, I believe that part of the black agenda is that every black person should own stock and buy it consistently so that you own a piece of America. They spent a long time owning you uh, and owning uh, the, the fruits of your labor. Um, I say it's OK for you to own them and own the fruits of their labor. So and, and then but then it's our labor, too. Right. We're, we work for these companies also. So uh, if you want to learn to buy your first share of stock or you want to get free information from the Black Business School, you can go right there to firstshareofstock.com. That's firstshareofstock.com. Okay, so uh, last point I'll make on this is uh, people ask me, you know, about having a racist in the White House, and um, and I think that was a guarantee, right? No matter who you put in the White House, you're going to have a racist. Um, If you, you know, I I hope that you don't think Biden is is really your friend. I I don't don't think that he is, Um, but I'll leave that up to you. Um, I think that there has to be a conversation about reparations, um, I think the conversation should be pushed and continue to be pushed forward. Um, I think that the black agenda can be pursued no matter what. Um, I think that our agenda should be one that's based on um, economics and education, but starting with economics, like that's just, I think, the alpha and the omega of everything. Also, strong families. Uh, we've really pursued a great um, you know, agenda when it comes to strengthening our families. Like just the fact that we're, you know, we're celebrating fatherhood again and people are sharing memes and, and videos of, of fathers, black fathers doing great things. Like, I think that we've actually made progress because of that. And this is something we did without politicians. Like this is something we did without white people's permission. This is something we did without it appearing on CNN. We just made that decision. Right. So I think that the black agenda 
is um is 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 you know it's it's becoming real with even without other people telling us that it's okay. Um, will he talk to Ice Cube now? I hope that he does. You know, I'll ask Cube. Cube is going to come back maybe in a week or so. Hey, you're watching. Hey. And um, you want to come over and say hi? Oh, so Taylor's showing me that she's got me on Instagram. This is this is Taylor. You want to say hi? Come on, say hi. These are my friends. Hi. So why, why, are, you, why are you showing them that? <laughs> yeah, so, so when you talk about, um, you know, Okay, I'll come out and um, let's 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 play tennis or something on the Oculus. So we got these Oculus goggles that we put on, and it's pretty cool. Have you has anybody ever done virtual reality? It's so much fun. Um, so anyway, where was I? But yeah, so Cube is going to come back. I think maybe next week or something like that. And I think one of the things that I definitely want to know about is um, how eager the Democrats are to actually you know have conversations with people that can actually help them get things done. Um, I don't expect them to want to have conversations with somebody like me. I don't want them. To, I don't. I don't want. I don't like stuff like that. That's not fun for me. I don't want to go to the White House. I don't want to be involved in any of that. Um, I just want to help. You know. So if if they're serious, like if somebody's really serious about implementing a plan that's really going to make a difference, that, that really has real tangible results that can be measured, and people can give real testimonials on a mass scale to tell you that things are different, then that's a good thing. But everything else, all this symbolism. I'm going to call it out every damn time. I, I I think symbols matter, but symbols should be a starting point. And I think that the biggest mistake that we make as black people is you you make the symbols the, the beginning and the end of everything. Like the symbolism, you can't eat symbolism. You can't feed that to your kids. You know, symbolism, um, you know, and sitting around worried about, you know, like I saw Van Jones saying, well, kids are going to school where they're being called the N word and, and blah, blah, blah. Man, fuck that. Get some. Tell them kids to grow some goddamn tough skin. Like seriously. Like I, I don't know too many. I, what am I? Let me stop. I'm just tired of that. I'm tired of sitting around crying because of what white people said about us. They do not. What do they say? What? How do you think they feel when we talk about them? Do you think they care? Like yes or no? Do you think white people sit around and say, "Oh my God, a black man." You know, a black man called me a name and it hurts my feelings so much. I think I'm just going to sit around and not do anything with my life because my feelings are so hurt because black people don't like me or Asian people won't. You know, Asian people don't create enough jobs for the Arab community. So we Arabs can't do anything for ourselves until Asians decide to get up and create jobs for us. It's the craziest thing in the world. It's, it's, it's so it's such it's slave talk, man. It's complete slave talk. And I'm just sitting here thinking, what are you waiting for? What are you looking for? Like you're, you're, you're really like you're really to the point where I'm supposed to sit here and hear you whine incessantly about what somebody else thinks about you. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly to the point where I'll, I'll be like, hmm, sounds like you need to work on your self-esteem a little bit. Like you're, you're looking for your oppressor to tell you that you're that you're a good person or that you're worthy. Like, like you, that means you're down here on your vibration is down here. High achievers vibrate up here. High achievers know how to shine no matter what. You know, I, you know, think about it. You think LeBron James could win championships if every single day he was crying to his wife about what somebody said about him on Twitter? Seriously. Like, no, he, he learns how to vibrate on this level where he doesn't pay attention to that stuff. He know he's going to do what he's going to do no matter what. So um, I just really think that those of you who are already there, I congratulate you. Um, you represent black excellence. You're going to be, you are the talented 10th. You are going to be, once we get out of this abyss, which some of us will, you are going to be the ones who lead us out of that. You're, you're going to be part of that movement. And uh, and I encourage you to continue to do what you're doing um, because what's going to happen is no matter who the president is, Democrat, Republican, you're going to win. Your people are going to win. Your family is going to get ahead. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have people that are going to think you got lucky or that you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, or oh, you, you know, uh, Jerry, you, you, you never knew what it was like to be poor. Or uh, Marcus, man, you, you don't know what it's like to be in the struggle, man. It's hard out here in the struggle. And Marcus be like, man, I used to be poor like you, bro. I just made different decisions. I invested in my future. I didn't sit around obsessing over what white people had to say about me. So um, obsess over what you're doing for yourself. So think about it right now before you go. Uh, what am I going to do tomorrow that's going to make my life better? What am I going to do tomorrow that's going to make my family strong? What am I going to do tomorrow that's going to improve my condition in life? Right? Basic shit. Basic shit. Quality of life is measured by health, wealth, and relationships. Those are three things that measure 
at least 80% of your quality of life, right? Health, wealth, and relationships. Where's your physical and mental health? If your mental and physical health is not where you need to be, it's because you're not doing what you need to do. If you, you know, if you're sitting around eating hog mogs and pork rinds and shit and are, you know, are doing nothing physical like I was, right? Then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get overweight like I did. And you're going to have high blood pressure, heart disease, all kinds of issues like I did. Well, y'all notice I lost weight today for the first time. I am now 207 pounds for the first time in 12 years. I don't think in 12 years have I been at that weight. And it wasn't because I sat around waiting for somebody else to do it. I made a decision to change who I was. I had to change the core of how I just view myself and view the world. I had to literally commit myself to a lifestyle that was foreign to me. I'm not used to eating health food. I did, you know, I'm not used to, you know, eating a smoothie for breakfast. I'm not used to getting up and having to go run three or four miles, but I had to do that to break out of prison. I broke out of my the prison I had built for myself. Nobody did this to me. Nobody made me fat. I got fat because I took on bad habits and I refused to let that go. So a lot of you, a lot of us that get in crazy situations, you know, you want to act like, oh, it's the white man, oh, it's oppression. And then white people are like, oh, yeah, it's because you're black and, and you can't do anything for yourself. You're retarded. Black people are all retarded. That's what we believe. You know, and, and the only way we can you can get help is if you give us your vote. <laughs> give us your vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and it's like it's, 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 it's dumb to me. It's a dumb conversation. So uh, where's your physical and mental health? If you haven't lost the weight you want to lose, that means that what you're doing is not working. You're like me. You got to change something. You got to let something go. You got to make a sacrifice. Whatever that is, do it. If that's important to you, do it. Your your mental health. If you're not happy where you are mentally, then that means you got to do something different, right? Uh, maybe that means you need a therapist. There's therapists all over the place. Black therapists get no attention because black people don't want to go to therapists, right? But there's therapists everywhere that can help you. Everybody needs a fucking therapist. If you're black, just know if you're black, there's probably an 85% chance that you're fucking crazy. I'm sorry. I'm black. I'm insane because racism and in America and all this chaos, sometimes just growing up black and the crazy shit that happens in our families that makes us all crazy. Your daddy beat your daddy missing. My daddy abandoned me before I was born. Like, why did I have a 15-year-old daddy anyway? Like that that shit makes you crazy, right? So if you're black, you're probably crazy. But if you're human, there's a good chance you're crazy too. Because we, we know white people go crazy as hell. So get some help for that. Get a way to cope with that in a healthy way. So maybe your crazy can actually benefit you. I work my crazy. I get in here and I'm talking to you guys. I know that I'm a little weird. I know this and I embrace that. How do I get here? Well, self-love is a big part of it, right? One of my coping mechanisms is, is you can't tell me that I don't have a good excuse today to love Boyce Watkins. And so if any, if every, if the whole world hates Boyce, just know that he will have at least one person who loves him and that will be Boyce. Boyce will sit in the mirror and say, I love you, you fucked up son of a bitch, right? And, and that self-love is what helps you get through all the nonsense. That's why there's nothing anybody can say on the internet that's going to really bother me that much because because I know where my love is going to come from. I don't get it from the, all this, right? But your process might be different, right? There's videos on YouTube on how to um, improve your self-esteem, improve your confidence, improve your work ethic, learn how to be organized, right? Whatever it is, right? So physical, mental health, um, wealth, your wealth situation. Remember, being wealthy and being financially secure and, and, um, and financially complete does not mean that you're, you're the richest person in the room. It just means that you're free from your financial addictions, which limit you when it comes to fighting the battles that you have to fight in your life. So you can't really go head to head with a white man if you're simultaneously begging him to pay your bills or you, you, you can't confront white supremacy on any level. There is absolutely almost no way you can confront white supremacy when you are begging the white supremacists to give you money right after the fight. That doesn't make any sense. You're not even presenting yourself as an equal. You're presenting yourself as inferior by virtue of the fact that you're basically saying, I'm standing up to you. I'm going to fight the power. But can you give me a job, boss? I need a job. Can you Can you give me a job? That, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So especially for the black man, like the black black men in general, you just got a shitty situation. <clears throat> That's it. <clears throat> you're, you're in the football game and you're down four touchdowns. And you got to find a way to run the offense and you're playing in the mud and and and, and your defense is shit. You got to find a way to win. You still have to find a way to win. Right. So that means that for the black man, the rules of white people don't apply to you. This integration shit does not work. 
It does not apply for you. It will not work in your fucking lifetime. This whole like we shall overcome, we're going to just treat black people as equals. That is not ever going to work for you, in my humble opinion. Every black man on the planet needs to spend all his time and energy learning how to build economic engines on his own. Get together with your homeboys, read books, go take a class, whatever you got to do. You got to learn how to have, be an entrepreneur. You got to learn how to build your house or you'll never be a king. If you don't learn, you'll never be a king if you don't learn how to build a castle. Every black man who wants to be a king must build a castle. I sat here and I talked to one of the, you know, again, one of those powerful entertainers on the planet. When Ice Cube and I were talking, it's really interesting. This guy has done amazing things, right? Um, but it's it's it, but one thing I figured out is that we're both outsiders. Like shit, we couldn't get hired anywhere. Like who the fuck would hire Ice Cube to work at like you know um, at uh, you know Amazon or or at Office Depot? Like who the hell? He coming here, you know, doing his Ice Cube shit. You know, he don't smile. He's growling. You know what I mean? Like like who the fuck would hire Ice Cube for anything? They were firing him on his day off, so he had to build his own. Hollywood ain't gonna take him in. He ain't he ain't trying to bend over. He ain't walking in with his booty out. You know, he's like, you know, so so you have to be able to work with what you have and then realize when when a strategy does not work for you, right? So for a black man, sometimes at least it's the way I felt. I'll just talk about me. Um, for me to try to do what white people do and fit in where white people fit, or to fit in where black women fit, made me feel like a a, a basketball player who was like five foot eight. And I'm trying to play center in the NBA, right? If I'm five foot eight and I'm in the NBA, I can't be the center. That's never going to work. I have to be the point guard and I have to play very creatively, right? And so if you notice players that play in the NBA who are a little shorter, the really good ones like Spud Webb or Muggsy Bogues, they, they, they do little things, right? They use their strengths. Okay, he's bigger than me, but I'm quicker than him. Or when I shoot the ball, I have to have a higher arc. So the ball can go over the big, tall, seven foot motherfucker who's going, who's, who's, who's trying to block it. Right. He doesn't go in and say, I want to go try to be Patrick Ewing. Right. Muggsy Bogues, if you know anything about basketball, Muggsy Bogues was short. Spud Webb was short. Spud Webb, Muggsy Bogues cannot be Dikembe Mutombo. Right. So sometimes as black people, I believe that that's what we do. We go in and we are, um, you know, we're a water buffalo trying to be a fish. Right. Or you or you are you're a lion and you're trying to become a raccoon. And we got a lot of coons or a lot, a lot of raccoons out here. Right. We just filled with raccoons everywhere. And, and and I'm just saying to you, you got to figure out who you are, where your strengths lie and work with that. So I believe every black man needs to learn how to be a hustler, like like get out, you know, jump out of that system or at least have one leg out. Figure out how you're going to build your own. Figure out how you can just make your own money. You don't have to make millions. You can make that later. At least make enough money where you can quit your job if you want to, and you can be free. And then if you want to talk your shit, then you can, and you're not scared because you're you're not going to be able to pay the rent, right? Um, the, so the third piece, health, wealth, and relationships. Um, relationships are very important. Relationships that you form with other black people and the productivity of those relationships will play a big part in your ability to get anything done. Uh, and the most important relationship that, that where it starts is your relationship with yourself. So I think self-love is, is critically important. Um, I didn't become successful in life until I learned to really love myself because self-love, what self-love is, self-love is a type of faith. It's almost like religion. It's very spiritual in the sense that when you really love yourself and you have faith in yourself, and, and then you also gain the capacity to forgive yourself or to love yourself through the storm. Like if somebody really loves you, think about it, like who loves you the most? Maybe it's your mama, right? Well, because your mama really loves you, your mama has a lot of faith in you. Like you could go out and be a serial killer and kill 50 people and your mom will still visit you in prison and still hope for the best. She'll be like, well, he's, he's getting his GED. You know, <laughs> he's really sorry, right? Your mama will ride with you till the end, till the wheels fall. She'll die next to your dead body, right? So, so self-love, like having that deep, rich love for yourself means that you can ride with yourself no matter what. You can jump in, jump into something, know that it was a mistake, know that it's not going well, but because you have that self-love, that translates easily into self-confidence or a type of faith where you say, okay, I'm in the storm. It ain't working out. I'm looking real bad. This is crazy, but I love me some me and success is meant for me because I, I know that I can do this, right? I know I can grow into whatever I need to become in order to achieve that goal. So self-love is really important. So we talk about relationships, never underestimate the importance of the relationship that you have with you, where you can really look in the mirror and see all the things about you that are flawed. Like it's easy to love the things about ourselves that are good. It's hard to love the flaws. 
right? And, and, and it's complex, right? Because you might love the flaws, but they but they're flaws, right? So so you have to have a, you, you can't love the flaws so much that you that you that you enable the flaws, right? Like you know, like if, if you want to be you know slim and you got a big fat bulging belly. You can love the belly and love yourself despite the belly, but you have to love yourself enough to encourage yourself to do better, right? So that self-love is tough love sometimes, right? But that that self-love is so important. I can't overstate the importance of that because literally, um, because love is stronger than hate, literally the best way I'm able to fight through so much hate online, because I I see it sometimes. It's like a blur. Like I, I see it and I zip right past it. I fight through all the hate because the love I have around myself is so strong. It's consistently reinforced. So you can't penetrate this, you know, cause that love, that love does come from God and you can't, you can't kill God. Right. So when you talk about, when people talk about that God coming out of you and that God is in me and all that, like, I, I believe that shit, you know, it's like, it's like, like when you really have that strong love for yourself, it really is like a power of God and, and can't nobody take you down when you become a God. So, um, so anyway, th- those are some things that, that, that come to mind. I hope this conversation helps you. I know I just went into all kinds of different directions, but um, I'm just talking from the spirit. And, I, and, and these are the things that I really mean you know, from the bottom of my heart in terms of things that I think can help you accomplish your goal no matter what. So um, those of you who voted for Joe Biden, congratulations. Um, you know, it's totally fine. I can forgive you for supporting him. If you can forgive me for not supporting him, because at the end of the day, we all black and we got to work together and I want to see you win. You know, I don't care what you think politically. I just want to see you succeed. So I know in this space, we got Biden supporters. We got some Trump supporters. We got some independents. We got some non-voters. I truly don't give a fuck. As long as you're B1, then we good. That's I'm a one issue voter and I vote for you because you're B1. So put your hashtag B1 in the chat if you haven't done it yet. Please put your hashtag B1 in the chat. And uh, also, again, if you want to join the um, the whole real estate wholesale excuse me, masterclass, we're starting the Black Business School tomorrow. Feel free to go take a look. The URL is blackmoney100.com. That's blackmoney100.com. And also you can text the word voice to 31996 and you can get text notifications when we go live, things like that. So text voice to 31996. And some of you asked about this, this shirt, um, where you can get shirts like this. If you'd like to take a look, feel free. Uh, you can go to wokeblacktees.com. That's wokeblacktees.com. So that's the URL on the screen. I'm out of here, guys. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Please hit the thumbs up button before you go. Uh, that's really important for the algorithm. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Peace. <laughs>